This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Jock Spackman. Jock has had a near-death experience where he fully understood the concept of no time, and he's been creating art based on that concept ever since. Jock, thank you for being my guest today, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, what happened to me happened 25 years ago, and I've never told anyone. Um, so well, I might as well I'll start at the beginning. Hopefully it will make sense. Mm-hmm. When I was first born, my mother was ill in hospital, so she couldn't look after me. And my father was in the services. My grandmother was looking after my brother. So there was nowhere for me to go. So my father had to go to the local priest, the Catholic priest, and ask if there was a home available for me to go into. A week later, went back and the priest said, um, there's no Catholic homes available, but there is space in a Protestant home. We can put them in there. So I was put in a Protestant home. And I was in there for about a year, roughly, from what my mum's told me. Now, at 12 o'clock every day, the people in the Catholic home, or the Protestant home, they put the babies in prams and they'd wheel them around this playground so that the parents could look at their children. And then at one o'clock, they'd bring me out because I can't be with the Catholics or the Protestants. I'll contaminate them. So I never saw anyone. And for a whole year, they actually put me in a room on my own. So I was never picked up for an entire year. So even today, I don't really like being around other people. And I don't like people hugging me because I was never hugged as a child. And that that will link into the story as you go along. So from then, my mother got better, and I moved into my first house where we left when I was two, which is important. But when I was in that house, I remember everything when I was a child, uh, crawling around on the floor, getting things out of cupboards, where everything was. Everything was very vivid. And I remember this one day, I was coming out of the kitchen on my hands and knees crawling, and I looked towards the front door. And there was a a coat stand there where you hang your jackets and things. And I remember looking at this jacket, and inside this jacket was absolute pure evil. It scared the pants off me. I was about one and a half years old, and I was terrified at what was in that jacket. And I remember shouting out to my mum, even though I couldn't, can you see what's in there? It's really, really terrifying. And I'd stopped. So my mum picked me up and brought me into the living room. But I didn't realise that 58 years later, I would photograph what was inside that jacket. And from that moment, I realised, what am I doing back here? I didn't want to be here. It was really scary. And I knew I'd come from somewhere else. So um, I'm just always aware, and I need to go back. So from there... I, I 
we moved to another house in the uh, faces the countryside, which is stunning. You've got all the energy in the world there. So I then go to school. Now, I didn't realize I was dyslexic, couldn't read at all. And so I didn't really fit in with the other kids. And then the school teacher made me sit on my left hand, which made it even worse. So I couldn't read or write. I'm sitting on my left hand. I couldn't use it. If I used it, I got the strap, which hurt a lot. And then I started doing this thing. If you can imagine a camera lens, when you twist it during a movie, the scene just pushes backwards. I started doing that a lot because I didn't want to be here. So I just kept wanting to go back. So about five times a day, I'd be walking around or I'd sit in the classroom. Everything just would just go whoosh. And I'd almost go back and I'd nearly get there, but never quite got there. And um, so I was a Catholic and you're trying to be a good Catholic. And, and when I was about eight, um, a missionary came to the school and started telling us that we have to hate Protestants because they're not like us. They're not human like us. Now I remember thinking, that's weird. Half the kids in my street are Protestants. Well, it's like Northern Ireland. Half are Catholic, half are Protestants. So I'm thinking, this can't be right. And then next week, we have to hate the Jews because they killed Jesus. I'm thinking, how many people do I have to hate being Catholic? It's ridiculous. All these things are going through my head that I like people. And you've been taught all the time to discriminate. And I remember my dad coming home once from, I uh, went for an interview. And the first question on the interview was, what religion are you before your name? And as a kid, I remember being at a bus stop and I was chatting to someone and they said to me, what religion are you? Because it's so important over there. You're either Catholic or Protestant. And Catholics support Celtic and Rangers, uh, uh, Protestants support Rangers. So you've even got your own football team. So you're literally taught to hate the other side all the time. And I remember as a kid, that was a really strange concept to me, that I had to dislike people. So coming home from school, I had to pass a Protestant school. And probably three days out of the five, I'd get beaten up. And it was a regular thing because I had a blue jacket on it. It wasn't. Protestant Jacob was a Catholic one, so they beat you up. And if I didn't want to get beat up, I had to walk 10 miles around this other track to get home. So um, it, my childhood wasn't good. It was just full of violence, negativity. And then on the weekend, I'd go outside in the countryside. And that was stunning. And when when you're walking in between two mountains... You feel the energy of these giants that are right next to you. And it was one of the very first times I actually felt good and realised that life isn't going to be that bad. And when you're walking towards a waterfall, you hear it, and then you get there and you feel that energy that's in that waterfall. And you start, I start to think, this is heaven and school is hell because I absolutely hated school. I just couldn't couldn't get on with it. Um, I remember once sitting on top of a, a mountain, looking out over the snow-capped mountains and the sea, thinking, wow, yeah, it, it has to get better. 
And I just waited and waited for that day when I'd leave school just so that I could escape. Because, again, I had no idea I was dyslexic. Everyone kept calling me stupid all the time. And you then start thinking that you are stupid. So um, at the age of 13, uh, moved to London. Totally different environment, very multicultural. So religion wasn't as important as it was in Scotland. And I remember at the age of 15, the school bell went. And that was the first time in my life I realised I could get home without beating up. So for the first 15 years of my life, I was living in fear all the time of being beaten up. And you, know, you get that knotted feeling in your stomach. Well, it went. And I, I remember that day as if it was yesterday, just walking home thinking, this is great. 15 years I'd spent just terrified um, and being terrified of other people for no reason because I was told that's what you should be to be a good Christian. So religion didn't really play a big part in my life after that. Um, but my, my first miracle came when um, we had to go and look for a job. And I'm 15 and a half, and I'm thinking, well, what can I do? I can't read. So there was a job as a typewriter, that repairman. I thought, well, I could probably do that. I didn't get the job. And I'm looking at bricklayers and all sorts of things. And then my art teacher came up to me and said, Jock, there's a, a job going as a messenger in an art studio in London. And I immediately thought, you can do art as a job? Really? <laughs> Putting paper on balloons and making things? and That's a job? <laughs> so I went along for the interview, got the job immediately. And I realised straight away everyone was dyslexic and everyone was left-handed. And all of them were absolutely bonkers, which was perfect for me. It fitted in. And, again, at 15 and a half, so I've now found what it is I'm going to do. All these guys, not one of them ever asked me what religion I was. Um, each one had a specific skill, uh, whether it be painting, airbrushing, lettering, and I was supposed to find out what my skill would be. Uh, but I was that keen to learn. I learned everyone's skill. So when I eventually got my own art studio, I was doing the job of five people. If it had to be really, really good, I'd get somebody else in to help, obviously. But um, I'd really found my footing in the art world, and it was safe for me. And as an artist, you can be on your own, and I liked that a lot like being in Scotland in the, in the countryside, you're on your own all the time. It's just spectacular. So that, that was when things just, all well, my life was starting to go well. And long story short, I moved to uh, Brisbane, Australia, in Queensland. And first year was very hard. Uh, couldn't get a job. Uh, again, not sure what to do. And I thought, I know, I'll do photography. I was looking at real estate. Photography was shocking. I thought, I'll do that. I can do photography. So I started doing photography really hard the first year and almost nothing. The next year, I went from about 10 clients to 1,000 clients in one year. It just rocketed. And there's one fateful day when I crossed over. Um, I woke up that morning. I just met someone, so I'm really happy. Uh, work was going well, and life was good. I thought, this is great. So I went and did my, my jobs. Uh, took my film to the local uh, 
uh, food store. They had a really good photo lab in there and a coffee shop. So I'd go there every day. So I walk in there, give them my roll of film, go into the coffee shop. I get something to eat. They put it on a tray. I turn round. I walk about three steps and I'm on the other side. All those years of me wanting to go back, suddenly I'm on the other side. There was no distance involved. I was just bang there. And I'm looking. I'm not scared, nervous. There was no sense of any feeling. And in front of me, there was about five people. Three were sitting down for some strange reason. But I'm, I'm standing there. And then, boom, there's no such thing as time. Now, I've, I've got about 40 watches. I love watches. I've, I've always had this thing about time. And if you were to tell me there's no such thing as time, I'd be saying, you're wrong. There's 24 hours in a day, it's only six, five days in a year. So there has to be time. But this wave that came over me that there is no sense of time made absolute common sense. And today, if I say to you, Jeff, if you look at your watch, it's a different time from my watch, but it's the same time. And you're going into nighttime, I'm coming to daytime, and you're going into winter. I'm going to summer, but we're talking exactly the same time. Now, if you turn the radio on, you'll find every every single song in the world is playing at the same time. You just have to turn the dial, a bit like tuning in is, is when you're a clairvoyant. So I'm standing there, I get this, this time thing, and it just sits inside you in a way. And then there's no distance. And that always resonated with me too. You have to, there has to be distance in the universe. But there isn't, and you're sitting next to me now. So it's proof that there's, there's, there's no distance. It's a human thing that, that we perceive. So that that happens, and then the feeling of love hits you, and you cannot describe it. I've had people on your show before, similar thing. It's impossible to describe the weight of this feeling. Uh, and it was so, so strong, so heavy that I couldn't take it. I literally thought I was going to explode. And bang, I'm back in the coffee shop. I looked down at my tray. The coffee hadn't moved. I was walking. And I looked around. I thought, no one's looking at me. Okay, I'll keep going. So I walked around the tables. I went to my usual chair that I sit in. I sat down. I'm a basket case. I'm, I'm, I'm still 80% a spiritual being at this point and 20% human. And I'm, I'm looking around. No one's looking. And then I see this woman walk into the shop. I'm thinking, I don't know who she is. Why don't I know who that woman is? And then there's a man coming up the shop. I think, why don't I know who he is either? I don't know these people. I should know them. And I've been separated from everything for so long. And then I looked down at my tray, and there's my food. And on the tray, there's a bank book with a check sticking out. I think, I've got to go to the bank? Really? What's, what's that about? And then the big thing was, I have to work. I think, work? It, it's like going into the Amazon rainforest and asking somebody if they have car insurance. It's a nonsensical thing. Um, work banking? 
is that what we're here for? And it's overwhelming that feeling that you get that I'm suddenly being like rebooted, as it were. And I, I don't know what to do. So I'm, I'm trying to keep myself together. And I look over and the girl who's um, uh, doing my photographs waves at me and pictures are done. So I get up, pick, pick up my camera bag, I go over to her and I'm very conscious of even walking. And I go up and I say, thank you, give her the money. And I've got, I turn around and I think, I've got to walk out the shopping centre. And there's people everywhere that I didn't know. All these spirits, as it were, right in front of me. So I thought, I need to get out. So I start walking there and I bypass the bank. There's no way I'm going to the bank. That's just crazy. So I get outside, which is being outside is brilliant. Love it. And I thought, oh, I've got my car, get in the car, turn the car on. The radio comes on. Oh, my God, radio. No, totally wrong. It's not, not what I'm here for. So... Uh, again, long story short, I deliver my photography to my clients, come back home, really excited, and I was in this spiritual church. So I thought, I've got to phone someone and tell them what happened. What do you think caused you to have this experience? What made you leave your body? Um, that constant thing I've had as a child where I didn't want to come here. I was that, saw that thing in that jacket. And then having the difficulty at school. I didn't want to be here, which is why I kept trying to come back. And I, I thought everyone did that. And I remember asking a couple of kids at school, do you do this thing where you feel like you're going back? And they're going, no. So it was something that that's probably why it didn't surprise me when I did cross over, that um, it was almost expected that it came at a, at a strange time. And I remember hearing at church in the Bible when they're saying that uh, when God comes down to earth um, and judgment day, he will take his disciples back with him. And I thought, isn't that a good concept that you don't have to die? And that, that, that made sense to me, that I didn't die. And so when I ch uh, chatted to this guy at this Biltchus church and told him about my experience, he immediately said, oh, that's good. And that was it. I thought, he doesn't believe me. And then I started looking at other people's near-death experience, and everything fitted the narrative that you have to die, and then you come back, and you wake up, and you say to people, I've been on the other side, and they believe you. But I never had that. That's why I haven't told my story. I literally just walked straight across, and I'm there. And that feeling of love that you get is so powerful you know it's not a fleeting moment or I, mean, I don't know how long I was there for, but it was, it was a, a length of time. So I'm, I'm trying to um, unravel why I had this. And although my life was going good um, and I was a photographer, my clients never really appreciated what I did because they were real estate agents and they just want to sell houses. So I'd be taking these great pictures and not once in the 30 years has anyone fought me up and said, thanks for the pictures. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit thankless. And I knew that working wasn't what we're here to do or buy cars or watch TV. That's not our job. 
that's a human thing that we're put upon us. And religion tells us we must do this and must do that. And I'm very anti everything that, that I need to find my own way. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with that book, The Secret, where you think and you create. And I thought I need to think and create what I'm going to do next. And I remember just going back um, when I was a messenger in London, I used to go to a place called Barclays Square and they had a shop there called Jack Barclays. Now Jack Barclays sold Rolls Royces and you couldn't go in the shop, you had to phone up. So I used to look in that window every day and over the years, the Rolls Royces would change. And I thought, do you know what? One day I'm going to have one of them because I'm told if you think positively, you'll get what you want. And I had pictures of Rolls Royces near my desk, thought about them all the time. Uh, and then guess what? I don't own a Rolls Royce because I never wanted one. And I think that's what the secret is. I can't go to the shop and get a loaf of bread and some milk and a Rolls Royce. Be stupid. So you get what you want, and that is the secret. And you can think all, all you want about, I want the big house, but would you rather just go fishing? In fact, where, where, where I go fishing, it's not far from the place behind me, um, there's multi-million dollar houses right behind me when I'm fishing, and they're empty because they're at work. And I'm sitting on this beach on my own, fishing. And on the weekend, they come home. They go fishing on the beach with a thousand other people. Who's living the better life? So this near-death experience, it really gave me a kick up the backside that I need to do something different. And when you do that, life doesn't necessarily get easier. It gets really hard, really, really hard. And uh, suddenly the, the financial market crashed and the housing market crashed. So I went from earning about $350,000 a year to $2,000 the next year. It just devastated everything that I was doing. So I pretty much lost my job. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm spiritual. I believe in all this stuff. And But what's going on? What have I done to, to deserve this? So anyway, um, about two years after that, and everything was a massive struggle. I had to sell my car, sell my bike, just to uh, keep the house going. And in that time, I met this uh, kid who wanted to do photography, and he had lots of um, health issues mentally. He's, uh, he found it very hard to comprehend things, and he wanted to do photography. So I thought, I'll teach you photography because I'd, I'd like to teach photography. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll set this up in a second. Um, so we're, um, I was teaching them every Thursday what to do. And one, one day I said, let's photograph smoke. So I set the shot up, got all my studio lights out and everything, set it all up. I said, here you go, you go and photograph some smoke. And he said, why? I said, well, because it looks good. Yeah, but there's nothing there. So and now there's nothing there. It's just smoke. You just photograph it. And he's going, well, what do I do with that? Oh, my God. So I picked my camera up. I pointed it at the smoke. I didn't look through the camera. I just took one picture. It just went click. 
and totally forgot about it. And he he took his pictures, he put them in the computer, some lovely little wavy bits of smoke, we could colour them up and stuff. So it's just a, a photography exercise. So the next day, I um, I'll get this picture. I had to download some pictures that I'd taken myself. So I download them, and there's that one picture that I took of smoke. Now, I'll just show you a shot here um, so everyone can understand where I'm coming from. There you go. Yeah, now this is typically what smoke looks like. Um, there's lots of shapes. You can kind of make something of it if you wanted to, but there's not really much there. And look, I've got millions of these pictures, literally millions of them. So the picture that I took on that fateful day was that. And when I looked at that in the computer, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. That's not uh, a coincidence. There is no way that can be a coincidence. It's definitely a female kneeling down. You can see the alien head inside. And I got myself a glass of wine, thought, I've got to sit down and look at this. And um, that was where it was difficult to bring this image from that world into this world because it's quite foggy. There's that picture you saw before, there's lots of smoke around. Now, if I hadn't been an artist and learnt all the trades that I learned from the other artists, I would never have had the experience to bring that forward. And I realised that. And I remember looking at it and thinking, I've been given this. This isn't by accident. Because I've shown it to some other people and they were like, oh, yeah, that's, that's very nice. And they thought nothing of it. And I'm thinking, no, there's definitely something there. That isn't by accident. So I then, and you'll love this, this is about 10,000 pictures later I got that. And that blew me away. That made me realise that what I'm doing isn't an accident. And there's, I don't know if you've seen that show, Life Beyond. They talk about alien life. And they talk about, uh, they, ha they hypothesise that if life can't live on a planet, it will live in the gases and the smoke above the planet because the temperatures would be right. But life would only live for a fraction of a second, so you would never see it. And the best analogy I can come up with with these images is if you get yourself just a normal camera and a balloon and someone says, right, I'm going to put the pin in the balloon, you take the picture of the balloon exploding, you're never going to get it. And if you do get it, it's going to be out of focus because it's moving so fast. That's how long these pictures last. That's why there's no sensation of time because their, their lifespan's just as long as ours, and I understand that now. So everything's starting to come together. And just one other thing, a lot of people say that these are photoshopped, and I'll just give you an example. Uh, here we go. This is the picture blown up. Now, I, I'm, I'm good at Photoshop. I can't do that. It's pretty much in, in, impossible to try and get those textures in Photoshop. Excuse me, I need that. So I've, I've been looking at this thinking these, these shapes are absolutely amazing. But if you blow up even more, 
you can actually see the energy in that photograph, all the little dots. And that's what I'm photographing is energy. I don't create the image. I set the shot up for the image to be formed, as it were, on its own. Now, just go back to that again for a sec. So one of, one of the other fascinating things with this is when you print it and put it on a wall, and bearing in mind this is only between two and five millimetres high, it's tiny. And I blow these images up to 1.5 metres. And when you do that, and I've managed to do it without pixelating it, the energy stays with the picture when it's printed, especially when it's in a room and you turn a, a light bulb on. It just comes alive, that the colours, the way it moves. And I'm thinking, I, I, I could not have created that. And why are most of my images lifelike when I print them? I, I, I don't know. And I, I, I listened to um, a podcast just before we come on here, and they were talking about alien life. And they were saying, stop looking at alien life everywhere else. It's around us now. It's here. And um, when you sit around a campfire, we all sit around the campfire. We never huddle up because we want our own space. But when that smoke's going, these beings are around you all the time. Now, I'll just show you. Uh, this, which will hopefully blow your mind. Uh, here we go. That. Mm. Now, is that by chance? And when, when I teach photography, I teach my students that your pictures should tell a story. Now, the chap on the left is embarrassed, and the one on the right is laughing at him. And you can see there's an interaction between these two beings. But it's just smoke. So where's this coming from? And again, I'm I'm taking ten thousand pictures. Now, do you think this is extraterrestrial life, or do you think these are some kind of non-human intelligent beings on our planet? I believe life is energy. Now, if this incense stick didn't give off smoke, would those beings still be there? Because everything that's got energy, even the mountains that I used to walk amongst, they've got energy that gets into your bones. And you can feel it when you've got the beach. You can feel it, but you don't see it. I've captured it. And I don't know why I've captured it or how. But I, 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 do, I do have a thought on it. Now, um, I'll show you a picture here of, this is a picture of spirit coming down and taking another spirit to the afterlife. All right, here we go. That. When I saw that image, I thought, oh, my God, that is what I saw on the other side. Can, can, you, can you see that in the image? Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. I presume you're using a digital camera. Are you using a really fast shutter speed? Extremely fast because we are talking, again, that scenario of a balloon. Um, the picture before this is that smoke one I showed you. The picture after this is the smoke one. So and that, is... that surprised me because when I've got all the pictures in, in line, I'll be looking smoke, smoke, smoke. Oh, my God, look what I've got. Suddenly something jumps out. But you... for those people who have been on the other side, that top being that you see there, 
that's what I saw. But it was surrounded by white light. Whereas this time we've got the black. So you're basically high speed photography. Are you taking Ex- are you taking one at a time or are you just No, no, no. I'm just going uh, brrr, my, my camera is super, shoot. super fast. You're just super shooting fast. a whole bunch of like fifty yeah, shots at literally, once. I'm going, I actually go that fast, I have to stop for the camera to catch up. Because it's drawing so much energy. And the lights that I use studio lights and they go off so fast, they keep blowing my fuse box in the house. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep going to the fuse box, resetting it. So I'm getting used to like uh, taking 50 shots at a time, then I have to stop because I've drawn that much energy from the, the grid. And again, everything around me seems to be energy. I just seem to be fascinated by it and, and that time thing. But when I captured that shot, I thought that is spirit taking another spirit to the other side. And I've, I've heard stories before of people who've had near-death experiences where at that moment of death, they feel calmness and that someone comes down and takes them across to the other side. And that's exactly what that, that picture represents to me. It's, not, it's, it's probably one of my least complicated-looking ones, and you could say, oh, it's just smoke. But that really resonates with me that that is what, spirit life looks like and when i saw spirit on the other side everything white as and then you get these look like a filament of a light bulb and they were kind of a skittle shape that's what i saw and so when i captured that i thought that's what spirit looks like mm-hmm. and i hope the audience can relate to that or people have been over there will look at this and think that's what i saw too now, remember I told you when I was one and a half and I was scared of what was in that jacket? This is it. Uh, sorry, to here we go. That's what was inside that jacket. Now that... And that scared that, yeah. Who took the picture inside of that jacket? Well, um, it's it's what I saw in that jacket. Oh. And this is when you said to me before, where, where are these coming from? I don't know if they're coming from me or they're coming from, I don't know, energy in the room. Uh, I've, I've played um, classical music, rock music. I don't know. I've done everything. I've tried to use vibrations. Um, I just seem to get what I'm given. So it's not like I'm in a bad mood when I'm taking these images, um, no particular mood, but where would that come from? Again, it's just small. I find it fascinating that it would create something that 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 really represents to me what was inside that jacket, and I can't understand how I managed to capture it. So, and it, 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 I sometimes think if I was in a church, would I get different images of what I was when I was in, if I'm inside a prison cell? Because the energy stays there, and because there's no such thing as time, that energy will always stay there. So. Do you yeah. think that that energy has followed you since you were a child, or that's just another energy roaming Look, around I, the that you captured? That, that's that's a good question. Um, I've thought about that a lot because uh, where I'm living now, in fact, I'll, I'll 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 just bring this shot up. This this will help explain my life. Um, there we go. That happened to me. Um, on uh, last year, on the 31st of October, 
Or was that a roof leak, water leak? Um, uh, hail. Hailstones. Okay, close. Um, uh, they were 16 centimetres wide. When the fire brigade came in, they said out of 1,000 homes, that's the worst one we've seen. And it was so violent, my next-door neighbor's concrete patio cracked. That when that happened to me, it didn't bother me at all. I was totally at peace. Because when, when you cross over, one of the things that you realize is that here doesn't really matter because we're only here to learn things. And you would think that if you crossed over, who, who, who's going to get your car collection? Who's going to get this? None of those thoughts come into your head because this isn't that important. So when, when this happened to me, it was, okay, I'll move out and move in with my partner. It's a logical thing to do. So life does that to you, pushes you on. So I, I don't see that as something something bad. Um, so, yeah, you yeah, you were saying, um, uh, does it follow, follow me? Um, so the house I'm living in now, I've been here for a year, and I've taken roughly 100,000 photographs, and I've got nothing, absolutely nothing in a whole year. So where have they gone? So I, I I don't know if they're following me or what it is. But um, when when I take my shots, let me go to um, where are we? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring this one up. Uh, but but because everything happens super fast, you literally can't see what you're doing. But when I took that, I saw it through the camera. And I rushed to the computer, put it in there, and here's this little dragon looking at me. And look at the colour. I can't do that. I can put coloured filters on them, but I can't mix and match colour on smoke. You just simply can't do it. And yet this one's appeared to me in colour. You didn't have any green or blue lighting in your studio. No, nope. no. Nope. Just that's the colour of the smoke. That's the colour of the smoke. And the, look at the complexity of it, and it's definitely alive. And 99% of all of my pictures have heads, arms, and legs. How does that happen? Right. Let me ask you this. This is a little bit similar, but a little bit different. Do you yeah. think that people who are pyromaniacs see spirits within the flames? I think they probably feel the energy. As, as far as I know, I'm the only person who's doing this. And it was really a gift. That first picture I get, I got that just that one shot. I'm now taking 10,000 pictures to get one. The coincidence in that is incredible. And because I've got the artistic talent to bring them forwards, and, and, and it's like going from the other side to this side, I'm bringing these images from their side into our side so that I can show people. I'm sure that since you're taking so many pictures, you watch the smoke change, right? Have you ever no, considered? It, oh, I would assume yeah. that they would be, and you could almost animate the smoke by adding all those pictures da, 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 as it's moving. I've actually tried to do that, and I can't do it. Hmm. Um, I've tried vibration, um, blowing on them. I basically just sit there and just go click, 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 click. In fact, a, a, a good example of what happens, uh, I bumped the table once 
and I got, where are we? There we go. That. The running man. And that's one piece of smoke. They all have arms and legs and heads. There's no way I can manipulate that. It's absolutely impossible. And as science says, that these things will live in smoke, but for such a short time, we'll never get to see it. So how, how is that possible? It's not. There has to be something there that's, that's doing this. And I, I can't explain it. Uh, I wish I could. Well, there's, there's one in particular here that's a real story. Here we go. That. And the picture before it was smoke, the picture afterwards is smoke. But you can see a little baby there growing up, looking at the ones above it. Again, it's, where's it come from? I've got no idea. And I find it absolutely fascinating. Well, I think that some people may believe that if you're in another dimension, you may be operating at much a higher frequency than we are. So things may come and go so quickly because we, we're not in that frequency range. You're, you're probably right. When I'm taking these, I'm totally alone. So my whole being is in this. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite spiritual. I do clairvoyancy and things. So I'm, a, I'm aware of the other side. Mm-hmm. So to, to capture these images and then try and make sense of them and then think, is there a story in there? Um, are, are they trying to reach out to us? Because they're around us all the time, all that energy. It's kind of um, like you're capturing a moment in time. And when I used to be in school and we would be learning about taking x-rays and reading x-rays, hmm. the instructor would say, this is just a moment in time because the body was changing as well. Yeah. That's, well, it's, Pretty much what I'm doing here, I, I literally can't, uh, I've got no control of what's happening and no control of when it's going to happen. I can't, I can't pick it. But they just happen. Now, I've, I've even got a picture of Santa Claus. Hmm. That's interesting. How do you get Santa Claus? Really? So I'm not a big fan of Santa Claus. I don't mock him. But how, how do you get Santa Claus out of smoke? I've even got John Lennon. I'll show you John Lennon, if you can see it. There's John Lennon. You see that? Well, if it doesn't really matter what you're focusing on, you're just snapping random pictures at smoke. And if you think it's all about energy, have you considered getting into a meditative state and or calling energies or beings to you first and then start taking random pictures of smoke? I haven't tried that. Um, I think purely because I'm, I'm still baffled for where these come from. And that that one behind me now, that, that's not in my head. I don't think I could conjure that up. Have you heard of CE5? No. It basically means Close Encounters 5, and those are the people who go out and search for UFOs. So what they do is they get together and they meditate and try to reach these UFOs Oh, yes, I have, I have said it. Yeah energetically and supposedly then ufos start appearing so that's why i was thinking maybe you might yeah, want no, to try I, that I, to I see have, if you I, can i have watched that I've, I've sent some of these pictures to them but I'll, I'll show you one that i've sent um but because i probably don't explain myself properly 
to me, that's an alien. Hmm. But then their, their, their came back was, was it's not an alien because it's not from outer space. But we're in space, aren't we? We're always in space. So where did I get that from? It's definitely an alien. And I, I can show you an alien growing up. But again, this, this is the first time I've ever actually uh, shown these pictures to anyone. Uh, that's how fast the smoke grows. You can see it spiraling. And then you've got that alien head on the end. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a growth to them. So these, these things grow up, they live, and they die. And I capture it just at that moment. So there's the... Um, Let's show you one more. I was trying to look at it from the point of view that it's not that they're dying. Maybe they just reveal themselves to you for a moment and then they're gone. Yeah, they do. But when you see the, that, that little one growing up, um, you realize there's a story there of those two laughing at each other. They've obviously done something. And I've captured the moment of their reaction. But they've grown up and they've done something, and then they've lived a bit more, and then they've died. But I've just captured that one frame. And same with, I, I call this my Picasso, because the figure at the bottom looks like a Picasso drawing. Yeah. And again, how how do you create that from smoke? And I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage at the moment too, I don't know what to do with them. They, they, should, they should be in a book, or in a spiritual magazine, or something or re research that where's this phenomenon come from and why have I lost it? <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't know how to put these in a book or, or put them on a T-shirt. So I'm, I'm at that stage where I can only do what I can do and then I'm literally leaving it up to the universe to see where it goes next because that's how my life's always worked. And having that first 15 years of hell kind of made me who I am to become me, to, to be able to see this and do it. It's, um, but yeah, look, there's, there's definitely something in there. I've got about hundred hundreds of these on my website. I've got thousands at home and I've got millions and millions of pictures of just smoke that mean nothing. And then bang, but I've, I've got, I've got the devil. Where's the, the, I call it a devil. And um, this is a good example of just putting a filter on. Boom, look at that. Now, with some of the pictures, I take away some of the smoke that interferes with it, but I never, ever interfere with the image itself, ever. Now, you just said that you put a filter on it. So did you turn it yeah. red? Yes, because um, that original picture I showed you, it's just your typical smoke, but... Because that represented a demon to me, I, I thought red was a good color for it. But that goes to show that by putting a filter on, everything goes red. Whereas that little dragon that I showed you is in full color. But it wasn't, there was no color there when I, well, obviously it was color there when I took the picture. I didn't add color into it. I, I can't. What camera uh, are you using? Um, I'm using a Nikon. I don't really want to give away just yet exactly how I do it because it is quite complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and I literally have to take 
thousands and thousands of pictures. Yeah, I would, I would and just. And the room gets very hot. I was just curious if you were using a real high end camera, like, you know, like a Canon, what is it now, 60 no, well, Mark III? Um, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's an expensive uh, Nikon. But uh, it, it's, um, you can get cameras that are medium speed and you can get ones that are specifically high speed for sports and things. So my, my, mine is high speed. But when you're using high speed, the light drops. So you have to get more light. So when I'm taking these, I'm pretty much half naked because the room boiling hot and the, the lights are right into me. And I'm going click, click, click. That's flashing all the time. So yeah, you do. I do get extremely hot when I do this, but they, um, I'm super, super close to the incense stick when I do it for that reason. That some of these are literally millimeters high; they, they really are tiny. Um, what else have I got here? Oh, look at this! Look at that! That's not in my. If that was in my head, I should be in a mental home. It's just crazy to think that smoke creates that. And it, it can't really be the spirit world because it's with us. So is it another world that we literally have never seen? I mean, you, um, I met someone who can see people's auras, and um, I, I didn't really believe them. So they uh, had an aura camera, and they took a picture of someone, and they described their colours, and the aura camera recorded it exactly as they described it. So having had that experience makes me realise that there is energy there. I just can't see it as an aura. But I can see this and I can capture it. And it is super, super fast. Did you use filters on that or is that the natural color of the smoke? That's the natural color, but I sometimes tweak it a little bit. I might add a little bit of green, a little bit of blue. But but when I add green or blue, it goes over the whole picture. Hmm. So I'm not coloring the picture. I'm just, uh, I've kind of commercialized them so that they're pleasing. But a, a, a really good example. Oops. Oh, hang on. What am oh, so, I? lost you there for a second. Um, where are we? A good example would be possibly this. That's that one that was blue. Mm-hmm. Now, all I've done there is reverse the colors. And you, you get a clearer picture of what the, um, what the alien looks like. And oh, here's, here's one. That took me about a year to draw it from that side into this side. That's why it's so complicated to do. And the first few prints I got done of this, everyone thought were brilliant. But, again, I'm very fussy, and it just didn't work for me. So I worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, and got the colors right and the, the tones right, contrast right. And so that's in its entirety as it was taken, but it's hard to describe how difficult it is to get it from being tiny, tiny little picture uh, in, into that. Are it's you quite incredible. are you using a lens that's already at set at a certain focus distance, like a fifty millimeter lens? So you get or whatever. Yeah, it is. I, I, I have to. And when you're photographing smoke, it comes in and out. It's always floating. Mm. So if it's here. So focus. It's there. It's in focus. Otherwise, otherwise, the camera would be constantly wanting to focus on the smoke, and you wouldn't get that fast shutter speed. Right. So everything's preset, and I'm sometimes millimeters away from the smoke. 
And to try and get that depth of field that you see in that is phenomenal. There's another one that's just as complicated, but really sharp, that that's super sharp. Uh, and to get that depth throughout the whole image, and it, yeah. to me it's a bit like an angel. That's amazing. And, the, and it's just smoke, but it, it's another dimension. And I, I think if I hadn't crossed over, I wouldn't have the faith in what I'm doing here today. But I, I just need to get an outlet for them now. When when I put them in galleries, they sell rather quick because they're, they're one and a half meters. Mm-hmm. But it's only when I explain them to people that it's energy, that's all it is, that, that they get more of an interest in it. Otherwise, people think, oh, I, I've created it, which I, I can't, mm. simply can't. Well, you mentioned your website earlier. Uh, what is your uh, yeah. website uh, if people want to check out more of your artwork? That's the website. It's um, uh, Mysterious Wall Art. I called it that because everything else has been taken. <laughs> There's millions of websites, but it, it actually says what it is. It is mysterious. And again, when these images are that large and you put them in a dining room, it's the first thing you see when you walk in the dining room. And it really is because that energy carries on through the screen prints. I, 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 I print everything on canvas, so it's got a bit of a texture to it. But the, the photographs really come alive hmm. when they're in a room, and they're definitely a talking point. Mm-hmm. And thanks to your show, I'm able to get this new dimension across to people. You don't happen to have one printed out that you could show us, do you? Like you could oh. hold it up and you could hold it up and say, "This is what it looks like." No, no, because the house I'm living in, most of my stuff's in a shed. Oh. And we're literally just having a storm right now. And the shed's outside. I can't get there. But no, I don't. I, I, this morning, I actually thought of that. I thought, what if he asked me to do that? And that's why yeah. being clairvoyant. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm thinking, no, I don't have one in the house. No. Well, I wish bad. I had. But they really do come alive. In fact, they, the other thing I just noticed, like I said, I'm extremely dyslexic. I don't read at all. But right, right next to me on this little bench, there's a book. And it's got lots of pictures in it. But the book is called, I don't know if you can see that. Oh, you can't see it. No. Nope. Oh, no, you can't see it. The, the book's called Regrowing. It's about plants and how you can regrow plants from plants. But the regrowing bit really is what I've become. Um, I had to change my life in order to, to do this. And I've spent four years on doing this solidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it's, it's not a job because having a job is ridiculous to me. And being an artist was never a job, and doing this is not a job. It's absolutely amazing to be the one that captures this. Well, besides your photography and your website, do you got anything else going on that you want us to know about? Oh, uh, my friend asked me this the other day. Uh, about a year after I had the near-death experience, um, I was in a hotel room on my own, and it was by the beach. I was high up, and the moon was out. And I woke up at 2 in the morning, and the room was bright with the light of the moon. And I thought, I'll go and look out the window at the sea. I got up, walked to the window, and then realized I had my eyes closed. I thought, okay. So I opened my eyes, and suddenly it was like looking through binoculars. I could see everything, but when I closed my eyes, it was like looking through a telescope. And everything was pin sharp. As you notice, I'm wearing glasses. But when I see through the middle of my head, 
I don't need my glasses. And it's the most amazing feeling to walk around seeing things in the middle of your head. But I I don't know why I was given that. It seems to have uh, uh, gone away now. Mm. So I've I've heard you saying that when some people come back, they're more clairvoyant or they see spirit or what have you. I don't do any of that. But I see this. And because I can't read, everything I see is imagery. I literally, Mm. my whole life, everything's images. And probably energy, but when you're in Scotland, you don't just look at mountains, you feel it. And it's sometimes when you lose one thing, you other, other things are better. So I don't read, but I see. Hmm. And I'm seeing this. And I kind of think this is probably what I was here to do. Just okay. try and take pictures of the other side. Hmm. All right. Well, before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can leave us with? I knew you'd ask me this. Well, you are it a is. student of my videos, if you knew that. It is. <laughs> wake up. People, wake up. Be the best person you can possibly be or be the best person somebody else wants you to be. And I was doing that when I was doing the photography with the real estate. I wasn't being the best person I could be. And doing these images, spending literally three solid years working on this, I was being the best person I could possibly be. And don't leave it too late. There's a, a chap I knew who was a prison officer at the age of 55 who decided to retire because he hated the job. And he always wanted a fish and chip shop near the beach in, in, in England. So he opened up a fish and chip shop. And he became so successful because all he sold was fish and chips, nothing, no burgers, nothing. Then he opened up another one and another one. And in five years, he became a multimillionaire. And I remember him saying, I wish I had done that when I was younger. And I'm trying to be living proof that I'm doing it. And it's really hard. Don't think for one second it's easy. When you think or wish for something, it doesn't come as easily. Sometimes your life has to be disrupted in order for that to happen. And I feel that's what's happened with me. And now I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm really kind of looking for an outlet now. Where do I go from here? And I'd, I'd like to come back here in a year's time and say, Jeff, do you know what? Being on your show, having the faith in the universe, I'm now doing this. That's what I wish for. Well, it seems like sometimes I'm a conduit of linking people together. So I hope that somebody watches this podcast and YouTube find an outlet for your art and you become massively successful. Thank you. And it's, it's not the success either, because I remember uh, I met Billy Connolly once, and um, I remember Billy saying that when you become rich, you end up doing what poor people do. You go fishing. You go walking. And that's what I do. The, the rich is uh, obviously I need money. But, um, yeah, it's the, the pleasure of doing what you came here to do. That's probably my biggest message, and that was what I got from the near-death experience. I need to do what I'm here to do. That's why you have to be the best person you can be, not what somebody else wants you to be. So thank you so much for having me on your show. I love it. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for your message. And I wish you the best. And have a great day over there, Jock. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. 
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.